Hi, and welcome to episode eight of the Data Driven Security Podcast. My name is Jay Jacobs. Joining me as usual is Bob Rudis. Bob, how are you doing today? Uh, Jay, it's like 88 degrees outside, and it, I, I shouldn't complain after the winter that you have, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start complaining about the heat. Yeah, too too hot and humid? It, it's too hot and humid. But, I, I, I've been doing my bike rides at like 6 a.m. because of how hot it gets during the day. But you, I thought you liked the heat on the bike. I, I, I do. I don't like the sticky heat. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So only a particular type. Yeah, a particular kind of heat. So Bob, we've got we've got some guests today. I'm kind of excited. It's not just going to be you and I talking at each other. <laughs> and uh, well, let's just bring them on. We've got uh, Andrew and Tebow. And uh, maybe you guys could take a second and uh, introduce yourselves and say a little about yourself and uh, what what it is you're doing in this crazy world. Sure, Jay. Uh... Hello, my name's Andrew Hay. I'm the Senior Security Research Lead and Evangelist here at OpenDNS. And uh, that, that is here. an awesome title. It, it's a little long. It's kind of a mouthful. So uh, I usually just tell people that I lead the research team, which causes fewer questions. Right. That makes fewer sense. follow-up questions. But, but, by the way, for the listeners, um, we did ask Andrew and Thibault to get into a room with as much echo as possible, and I think that they were able to, to meet our, our demand for that. So. Oh, they, 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 have, they have exceeded expectations. Yeah. Well, just to clarify a little, too, uh, uh, Jay asked me if Thibault would be available for a podcast, and then when I said yes, he said, oh, and you can come along, too. So, um, <laughs> right. I'm Tebow's plus one on this one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Always nice to have you, though, Andrew. Always great to talk to you. I, I I just figured that they were in the the secret underground open DNS bunker where the umbrella service lives. Yeah, you've said too much. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, Andrew, your your background though you you've been uh, uh you've had a couple of different roles since I've known you, and um a lot of lot of variety. You know, you're a an, an author uh. And all sorts of things, right? Yeah, that about sums it up. Okay. Um, so, no, I've been previously. I was the chief evangelist and director of research at Cloud Passage. Uh, for that, I was an analyst for a number of years at Four Five One Research. Uh, I worked at a university in Western Canada in the Information Security Office, and the same. Similar role in uh, at a bank in Bermuda, and before that, I was actually the product program and engineering manager at Q1 Labs, which is now IBM. Hmm. Wow! And that makes long. me feel incredibly old when I say that. Yeah, a long and illustrious career so far. Well, yeah, long career. <laughs> <laughs> and let's uh, let's get to know Tebow. Tebow, you want to introduce yourself and, and yeah, say a little bit about absolutely. you? Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us, guys. Um, yeah, so my name is uh, Thibault Roy. I am uh, one of the security researcher at OpenDNS. Um, and the um, focus on my research is mainly oriented on data visualization. Um, 
I'm pretty much building a data visualization tool in 3D, mostly in 3D, um, to visualize the knowledge base that we're building here at OpenDNS. Um, before that, I was uh, at NVIDIA for a couple of years, I think three or four. Um, this is where I learned a lot about you know, GPUs and you know, any 3D graphics related stuff. Um, but I've always had you know, a big love for uh, 3D graphics and it comes from uh, the demo scene, I would say. Um, you know, those are old times where you used to download like a crack or something like that just to, to, uh, to unlock some, uh, some, some really cool software and they always came with a nice animation and good music. And it's really the moment where I completely fell in love with 3D graphics and, you know, mixed it with security stuff. So yeah, that's, uh, that's where it all comes that, from. That has got to be the most unique uh, introduction into data visualization <laughs> I've ever heard about. So. <laughs> And, and that, people ask me all the time, how do you mix, you know, security and, and visualization? So that's that's my cool story behind it. And apparently the answer is techno. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh man. And now you you also like when you talk about 3D, you're talking mainly about like network graphs, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, essentially, I I yeah, the thing I'm building is right now is visualizing semantic networks, pretty much. So in other words, it's like a, a graph, right? It's pretty simple, you know, um, set of nodes, set of edges, and the nodes represent entities and edges represent concepts, you know, relate different kind of relationships. And you can pretty much apply it to any kind of problems. Um, here at OpenDNS, we apply it for, uh, you know, the knowledge base, the security graph, or uh, the investigate tool that was like recently rebranded. Um, so yeah, we use that to do pattern detection, uh, you know, different kind of uh, machine learning stuff. But yeah, mostly the point is to visualize very large graphs, I mean, as large as possible, uh, all in 3D. So just to clarify for those who may not know who are listening, when we using the word graph is a little bit um, ambiguous for people who aren't familiar with it. So it's actually, graph is a specific thing. You mentioned the nodes and the edges. And, and for those who may not be familiar with it, it like, if you see a typical graph image, and maybe Bob can put a logo on the a link or something, but it looks essentially like the most of them look like a disco ball of some sort, right? Like a big spaghetti ball of stuff. And sometimes, like I know some of the things you've done where you actually see connections and you get different clusters and you see different connections and things like that. And I'm waving with my hands right now and people can't see it, but... Um, you know, so I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. So when we say graph, uh, people will use that term to describe all sorts of visualization. But what, what we're talking about here is a very specific applying graph theory to visualization, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Not not graphs as in charts, but more like yeah, network, right. yeah, semantic networks. Yeah. That was and way simpler than what I said. Simplistic form, if you think, if you draw three circles on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard and then draw a line from A to B and then a line from B to C and then a line from C to A, you've got a graph. <laughs> right. Very yeah, cool. that's a good way to, to state that. Absolutely. So part, part of the thing that with, with talking about the, the applying graph theory and stuff like that, when you visualize something like this, it's a lot of them, a lot of them uh, are incredibly beautiful, but at the same time very difficult to draw meaning from, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, like you, a lot of these, like I said, it's a spaghetti graph. It's a disco ball. You know, it's it's an absolute mess to try and look at and and 
gleam information from. So how do you how do you cross that gap? You know, going from this mess of, of nodes and edges and and all this complexity down to hey, I just I learned something by exploring this. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the first thing is you 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 cannot really um, you know like I can say. Um, you cannot really use visuals to solve your own problem. You have to have a good representation. Your graph has to mean something. And this is completely uh, up to the user to you know, design the graph the way it wants to be used. Um, you cannot just expect you know, uh, yeah, visuals to cluster information and like magically you know, uh, some, some solution or whatever is going to pop out. Um, if you ask Jay, that's exactly what I asked him <laughs> for most of the time. The magic. <laughs> Python script to just kind of shove through <laughs> things, and then I get the beautiful R diagram on the other side. Um, so yeah, so yeah, the first thing is you know graphs are usually uh, are used to represent problems, and if you design your graph you know, in the wrong way, then obviously you're not going to be able to, to to discover a lot of things. Um, but one of the main, uh, I mean, to answer your question, one of the main things that we can uh, use it for is use force-directed layouts. Um, so let's say, for example, you're trying to represent some knowledge on your uh, your semantic network, um, and then you use this uh, force-directed algorithm, you know, to cluster automatically information. So that would be a layout that is very um, data-driven instead of you know something completely forced by the user. And discovering clusters of information can definitely help you, uh, you know, building hypothesis or like discover new stuff. Um, one example, uh, in our knowledge base, we, let's say, let's say we can um, uh, link all malicious domains and domains together um, based on our DNS logs. And for example, we would start from one known uh, malicious domain and using certain kind of relationship, we discover new uh, malicious domain based on that. So that's like one kind of a, I know it's kind of vague, but it's, it would take a long time to explain the whole thing. But uh, yeah, that's that's one use of it. Does that right. answer your question? <laughs> yep, yep, that's good. So, um, and now you guys, you, you, you've developed a, a tool uh, and a yet to be named tool. Mm -hmm. uh, and you guys are gonna be presenting this at Black Hat coming up in uh, a few weeks, right? A, a month or so. Um, so what could you talk about that tool and what your goals were for for designing it and developing it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we would first we super excited to uh, to talk at Black Hat. This is a great honor to to speak there. Um, so yeah, we're gonna open source this uh, 3D engine. So uh, to talk a little bit more about it, uh, essentially it's a it's an engine that provides. Uh, an API and a couple of uh, Python libraries to build uh, graph data sets in a very, very easy way. Um, and uh, it can be used for security data, it can be used for you know any kind of relational data. Um, so this tool is pretty much going to uh, help users uh, visualize any kind of relational data that they have and put it in a 3D way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Um, so you'll have you know Python libraries to build up um, you know your data sets. You'll have the engine uh, that's going to be able to visualize it. It can also be uh, ported on the web um, using some JavaScripts uh, as well. Um, so it's all C++ and it can be compiled to to run on, on the web with uh, LLVM compilers that transform everything to JavaScript. Um, what else can I can I say about it? Uh, it uses OpenGL as well, and um, 
DLSL shaders, and also for really large graphs, um, it leverages uh, OpenCL to do some parallelization um, and just you know take advantage of uh, multiple cores and threads of the GPU to uh, expand the data in 3D. So I mean, what what because and you know so if folks haven't gone to to your website and kind of read read through some of your blogs already, they they mm-hmm. haven't seen this right so. What makes it different than like a graph that one might be able to use, like Gephi, let's say, to to be able to create, you know, a, a graph out of there? Like, how does this differ from what if someone if someone is used to working with network graph type of layouts? What what makes yours different, or how how have, like, well, what made you go in this direction versus the more traditional well, direction for doing yeah, yeah. this? Is, this is an amazing uh, question. Uh, first of all, uh, Gephi is, is an amazing tool. It, is, it gives a lot of insights. Uh, it's, it's really really well done. Um, but second, if you try to load a big graph inside Jeffy, uh, that's probably going to end up in freezing the application. Uh, second, you cannot really script anything uh, in Jeffy. It's more like an ID for, uh, for, you know, for graphs. It's like a very UI-oriented. What I'm, what I'm using is uh, providing an API that people that have uh, some understanding of Python programming or any, any other uh, you know, programming uh, language. Uh, would be able to leverage and you know uh, include them in their own uh, projects or in their own data sets. It's much more oriented for data scientists than Jiffy is. Jiffy is more like a, if you already have a graph data set and you want to have um, with a specific format, um, if you want to load it inside the inside and look at it and have a lot of metrics, a lot of uh, it's more like for editing. What I'm doing is something that can handle much larger graphs and leverage GPUs to accelerate. Um, the expanding in 3D. It's, it's very, it's a very different uh, approach to the graph problem. Maybe to quantify it a bit, maybe tell them when you say a big graph, maybe tell them, like maybe explain the number of nodes, number of edges, so, just to, so they can get an idea of how big we're talking about when we say big. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for one example, one the one biggest graph we've ever visualized is the ASN network. So you know all the the AS you know connected with all the BGP routes. So that's about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, something like 45,000 nodes and uh, 90,000 edges. So that's the kind of stuff. The and that's just on a MacBook. So it's a very, 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 uh, not to say shitty uh, <laughs> graphic card, but I'm, I'm gonna say it. Um, a less than capable graphic. <laughs> So, so driver. Yeah. So, but it, it, it's good to know the kind of performances that we can have on a MacBook because a lot of people are working with that. Um, but like it's uh, it's it's like the kind of a, the size of data set that you can actually visualize with the engine right now, and it's, there's room for improvement. So it's definitely going to go up in the next uh, next months. And, and taking it into 3D, right? So you, you mentioned the whole scripting part. Um, I I work a ton with with iGraph, right? So that and that really tends to be uh, living in 2D space pretty well for for most of the layouts that that it tends to work with. I know there's a couple that you can kind of plug into it that 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 make it go into larger space. But uh, you know, when the 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 move into 3D was that more deliberate to make it um, to make it more intuitive to make it clearer to the user? Like how since you can script with iGraph or you could script with with your new tool, what's the difference between something like that? Is it just the fact that your 3D enables a layer or a view that 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 2D representation just can't give? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Um, so, just just to explain a little bit, um, there's a misconception that people make a lot. Um, when we talk about 3D, we're actually talking about projected uh, 3D on a 2D screen, right? 
Um, you're looking at screens that are always in 2D, like television screen, monitor screens, or whatever. Um, so the point here is, first of all, it's very fancy, it's very nice, uh, it, looks, it looks very eye candy. Um, people have an easier approach to it because they're used to games, uh, they're used to, you know, that kind of, a, that kind of visuals. Um, second, uh, there are a lot of devices that are coming up in the market, uh, not like Oculus Rift and like Zero Vision uh, from NVIDIA, like 3D glasses in general. And it's definitely where, uh, the, you know, the future, the next gen uh, 3D devices are going to be. Um, instead of just working on something, you know, that, that provides an image, I want to provide the immersion inside the data uh, that you're looking at. So does that, does that answer your question? No, I, I I think it does. I was trying to make sure that folks understand that there is a difference and that your tool, you know, is doing something different substantially than a lot of the other tools that even if they're familiar with scripting and doing stuff with graphs, it, mm -hmm. it is actually going to go do. And I, I am looking forward to layering in some of the examples, you know, throughout the podcast so people can get a look at it. We'll have tons of links to all your stuff as well, too. But I, I think is, you know, we, we can show examples along the way of what we were talking yeah. about for that, just for, for folks that are not familiar with it as well. Mm -hmm. And something else to note is that we're not looking just at a static picture. Uh, so being in 3D, we're actually talking about three-dimensional space that we can traverse and get to certain aspects. So if you want to look at certain nodes and their edges, uh, you can you know, essentially fly through your graph to see what's going on, zoom in, zoom out, double-click on the actual nodes, to focus, uh, you can pivot around that particular node. You can change colors to make it more aesthetically pleasing and make things pop out a little bit better. There's also, um, as I always like to tell people, simple particle physics. That's what Tio explained to me one time. It's just simple particle physics uh, that you can employ not just in the force directed graph, but also the uh, you could assign weights to things and show different speeds for particles moving between the points mm -hmm. in the graph, which add an additional layer of uh, visualization without adding, you know, a new line or uh, something else that might detract from the overall graph. Wow. So who... Who was the uh, tool being created for? Who is the target audience? Because I, I envision, you know, like someone working in the in the trenches, sitting on like a massive quantity of data, um, mm -hmm. would be very interested in trying to explore it with a three D tool like this, putting into a graph like that. Is mm -hmm. that the type of target audience, or does it take someone with a little bit more skill, with some knowledge of of graph theory and things like that? Uh, no, absolutely. It's the it's the data scientist. Um, so the API that, that can be used is, is very, very simple. Um, you know, just we're talking like add node, add edge, and that's it, right? Um, I mean, there's much more to it, but like the basic use of the API would be, um, you know, just adding nodes, at, nodes and edges. So anybody that can, you know, parse a big log file or any, you know, uh, source of raw data um, could pretty much build, use our scripts, like build a, a very simply, um, a graph that it can be able to visualize. But that being said, uh, we also interface um, a couple of, uh, I mean, the use of Python like let, let us like take it to the next level, right? Um, we can use libraries such as NetworkX. Uh, some people who, are, who really like a graph theory might be familiar with it. 
Um, so it's very easy to actually take uh, the graph created and export it into a format, I mean, to a library that is, you know, especially uh, designed and was, was built for advanced graph theory. So, you know, problems such as subgraph, uh, subgraph isomorphism detection or like, you know, random walks or like you know, a lot of different uh, graph theory problems that you can apply to it. Essentially, we give, we enable the, the, the advanced user to do advanced graph theory by using NetworkX, but you could also use anything else. But it should be noted that it isn't just for the, obviously the more knowledge you have in graph theory and even uh, scripting is going to help you get better results from the data sets mm. in a visual way. But uh, there's also a, an additional library called Semantic Net, which will help you build these graphs. Uh, and at the Black Hat presentation, we're going to be releasing several sample scripts that actually show you how to uh, take some data that is easily accessible and visualize it. For example, taking Bro IDS alerts and visualizing that. Uh, a uh, arbitrary file system or arbitrary directory and file structure. Visualize that. Uh, also, LinkedIn. Export your uh, your LinkedIn connections and export someone else's LinkedIn connections and visualize the two. Compare them. Uh, and another one is using Shodan. So you the script actually allows you to put in your search criteria. It will connect using the API, pull down the information, and then build the JSON file to feed into the 3D engine. Nice. So how long have you guys been working on this? Uh, it's going to be a little more than a year. OK. Wow. I spent about 20 minutes on the docs. <laughs> <laughs> And that you, in, in, in a couple of your posts that I, I think use um, and that, that have generated some of these graphics, uh, you, you've got a lot of math. Um, I, I know that math may not be the strong point for a, a lot of InfoSec folk. And is, is some of that math actually required to do that? Or have you abstracted all that away into your tool? Not at all. Not at all. Um, only if people want to go, uh, you know, deeper in the use of, you know, create their own layouts or, um, you know, have very... Uh, specific things they want to do with the, you know, the particles, like the, the, the colors or something like that. No, no, absolutely not. It's not required at all. Good. I told Tebow that nobody likes math, but he doesn't believe me. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't, uh, who was that, uh, Bob, who said every time you put a math formula in a, in a presentation, you have to have a picture of a kitten or something like that? <laughs> I, 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 wasn't it Hadley that said that? No, was it Hillary? Oh, Hillary Mason. Know. That's right. No, Hillary Mason. Yeah, that's right. Hillary Hillary Mason. Mason. I, I got the H and Y, but yeah, that's yeah. And and I, I think I I think I made you do that once too because you tried to. Do yeah, that. I think so. Yeah. Um, the I, so I, I I one thing so how so along with the so we covered how they're different than graphs, right? How they're different than two D graphs or, or or traditional like you know working with graphs inside Gephi. Um, 
what have you done the comparisons between the insights that you can gain from you know this tool and the viz that you you're producing, and like say a barrage of maybe other two D viz like bar charts, scatter plots, etc. for for the same thing, or yeah, you know, have have you done any kind of comparison to see you know are are, are the insights the same or you you know you can get you know this times more insight from looking at it this way versus that way, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to get give folks an idea because we we you know, we we found that a lot of folks are struggling to produce. You know, decent, just plain charts and, and graphs, right? Yeah, you know, normal graphs, not 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 the network stuff. Um, do you think there's going to be a huge learning curve on top of that to understand the you know this new 3D type of graph with the data enrichment that you're doing and you know for for the for the viz that you're creating from there too? So I think I asked two questions there, but I think you got the gist of where I'm going with that. If not, I can clarify. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, one thing to clarify. Uh, it's not it's not made for the same thing like when you're talking about you know v3 for example that is that is a good example um, this is more for presentation purpose you know, it's, it looks nice but it cannot handle a lot of data um, what I'm trying to do is you know use the GPU to um, because none of like g5 like uh, j sorry um, a lot of a uh, lot of softwares you know on the market don't actually take advantage of the GPU some of them do but like in, in a very very uh, uh, it's a very subtle way, I'm, I'm going to say. Um, but if you compare the two, it's I'm really trying to do something different here. I'm trying to use force-directed algorithm to understand the, the, the topology of the data and the, the shape, I'm going to say, of, uh, of the relational uh, database that you're trying to look, in at, to look at. Um, it's, it's, very, it's a very different, different approach. It's not, it's not made to, um, you know, it, it looks eye candy, it looks nice in 3D, it's like very, uh, you can interact with the data, but it's not made to do like a, a, a how can I say that, uh, like a chart on a, on a 2D website, it's, it's to have more like deep insights in the data. It's made to uh, build algorithm to, uh, you know, graph theory algorithm, new detection things, depending on the, what you apply your graph on, um, it's, it's, it's very, very different approach. And one thing I've noticed in looking at the generated graphs and working with the graphs is that as you build, so if you have your data set and if you understand how things relate to one another, a lot of uh, relationships really pop out and uh, it really becomes apparent in well, using the force directed model and even the random walk sometimes uh, you can actually see the path that something traversed. So it's valuable for attacks. It's valuable for uh, like DNS hijacking, for example. It be it just immediately pops out that, hey, something's wrong because everything like CNN, Facebook, and all that is all going to this one name server, which is then connected to you know these 30 websites in Russia kind of thing. So uh, I, I find that you know, I'm a I'm a visual person. Uh, I wager a guess that Tebow is too. But it, you know, if I had the preference of looking at streaming logs or visualizing it to get a better idea, I would opt for the visualizations every time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and Tebow, you, you know, I I think maybe um, I'm going to try to grasp on something that 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 you mentioned really quickly, but but I I think it has um, a lot of potential, really interesting uses for folks in the field. So you were saying, right, you know, with with the use of the Python libraries that you have, and kind of working with with different aspects of of these semantic networks, mm -hmm. and if you kind of do that work 
on that script level and do the visualization to try to discern patterns and 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 other you know maybe exploratory you know parts of the exploratory analysis that you're looking at there when you find something on there you've got that work then on that core scripting side and that maybe tweaking how you're looking at the graph and the code side to then maybe take that and actually apply into the infrastructure that you have. I mean, probably not directly because it's a, a lot of the core infrastructure that folks are using and even vendors are providing don't allow for an import or something like this, but you could start using this for additional detection or alerting mechanisms in stream after you've done the viz and verified that, oh, net, net, now I've got a good way of looking at these attributes that, that I've thrown together. They do signal this, and when I see this kind of a, a pattern emerging, go alert on something like that. So it's not just purely visual. I can see folks taking the you know, taking the core components of this and applying it in a very practical way as, mm -hmm. as it evolves over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think minority report for, <laughs> for information security, not just yeah. potential murders. No, absolutely, absolutely. You, you have a problem uh, that can be described, you know, and you have raw data, you know, applied to your business or any kind of problem you're trying to solve. Um, then you do, you design, you know, a semantic network to represent uh, your problem. And then you visualize all the clusters and you visualize the, the huge graph, you know, in 3D. Um, and then you run uh, graph theory scripts to, you know, detect whatever uh, makes sense inside your, your graph using uh, traditional graph theory techniques. But if you just only want to look at it, it's totally fine. Um, and then, you know, the results of those graph theory uh, algorithm, detection algorithm, can be, uh, you know, transformed into, you know, visual attributes. For example, like you're searching a certain node, a certain cluster, then, oh, you can color everything in red or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it goes back and forth between the visualization and, uh, you know, detection and graph theory. So, yeah. The uh, and so and you also mentioned a little bit earlier on uh, you know the fact that your your tool and the fact that it works you know from Python you're doing stuff in the GPU you know it definitely is going to handle substantially more more data points than something like like FE would do I, I I know you pronounce it correctly I I, I just I do the hard G it's it's what I do <laughs> um, the, uh, I'm always mistaken yeah well no actually it, I think it is Jeffy I'm 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 just yeah American. that's Jeffy but sometimes the G5 I'm getting too Americanized but um like so did is did do you envision folks being able to someday like plug the tool into like like a Neo4j um, type graph database environment to kind of work on there and, and you know, maybe abstract some of it from the, the Python side or, 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 or I should say is that something that you have planned like to have it work with a bunch of those different graph databases that are out there? Absolutely, absolutely. It's definitely the plan. Um, yep. Right now, right now there's no um, you know plug-in or like some sort of a, no bridge. You have to build a data set out with with, our, with like semantic net library, so you have to extract data from Neo4j or you know any other uh, database, um, and then build your own data set and visualize it. But yes, it's definitely the plan. Definitely the plan. I think Neo4j is an amazing tool, and it would be would be a shame not to take advantage of that. Yeah, the uh, I think the one of the question that that I actually. Um, I think we tried to cover it a little bit earlier, but but we got too excited about the technology that you guys are doing. <laughs> and and I, and I know you do abstract away a lot of the complexity, um, which is great because um, I it, this stuff can get complex really quickly. If folks were interested in kind of understanding more about you know this whole network graph theory and and how it and how they can get into it. 
you know, you've had a great, you know, a great you know, weave into how you've gotten into the security data science, but are there resources, and we can link to them, so if you just say them, don't worry about like saying where they are, like we can get the links from you and put them out there, but are there any resources that, that you found to be better for folks to begin to grasp this, and that's either one of you two, because I, I know, Andrew, you've, you've, you've come on board there in the past couple months, you're, you're, great. you're getting up to speed on, on, on some of the stuff that they're doing, and I'm sure you've done a ton of reading too, so if, if either one of you have anything that, that our listeners could start diving into to get a better grasp and handle on this that would help them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, the first one I would recommend um, for a practical approach of uh, graph theory would be the Network X um, Python library. This is very easy to use. Um, it works very well. It's most uh, you know detection, most uh, standard graph theory algorithms have always be, already been uh, implemented in that library. It's definitely really easy to use. Um, before the theoretical part, you know, any any uh, college uh, college you know book or whatever um, can make it for the graph theory uh, graph theory one one <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but Bob, isn't your wife taking like the data science Coursera track? <laughs> yes, she actually is. Yep. Yeah, I, I started. I signed up for the uh, the first course in that series, and uh, I've yet to look at any of the videos. But I've paid for it, so therefore I will more than likely get to it. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, and, and actually, the for folks that aren't familiar with that or may, may not have seen the tweets or have seen it, because I think you tweeted about it too, but um, the, the Coursera folks have this really nice series um, that basically gives you a great foundation, you know, foundation into data science, and it covers a whole bunch of different technologies and processes, procedures, theory, et, et cetera, like, like crazy. So it's, it's definitely a place where, where, where you can go if you want to basically have a more structured environment than trying to read on your own or kind of go through some blogs or hack through some scripts. Uh, it, it takes a and yeah, Andrew, as I'm sure you're discovering, especially some of the later courses, it takes a lot of the effort and dedication sometimes to kind of fill in the gaps that an online MOOC with millions of people um, are, are doing there's not as much uh, professor interaction as there probably is with with a more direct course at a college but I, I think it's I, I think you're right I think that that would definitely be a great place for folks to go to begin to have some of the foundations to understand more of what you guys have built here because it's pretty cool well as an educational slacker I think that works better for me <laughs> uh, it, I should also mention that it uh, it really does help being here at open DNS because sitting between Tivo and I is uh, Dia, who has his PhD in it is graph theory, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Apparently, that's a thing, and he's got one. <laughs> so, <laughs> questions that are ridiculously hard, it's always easy to lean over and ask him. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say uh, to build this tool, it was it was a, an amazing uh, you know collaboration between uh, very knowledgeable people. Um, we have a uh, Dia Majubias that has a PhD in graph theory, so it was always there, to, you know, to Confirm any doubts I could have uh, ever had. Um, also, you know, Frank Denis, um, amazing researcher that we have more like security side and more, more like a hacker. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Skylar the intern. Skylar, who's uh, yeah, Skylar. I almost forgot him. Oh my god, I'm sorry, Skylar. Um, <laughs> he's he's been taking over the Semantic Net uh, library. He's done an amazing job. Um, same thing. He he had a I think he's a master's degree. No, what is he doing? He's doing his uh, bachelor in computer science. Bachelor in computer science. So yeah, he had a he had you know um, a good understanding of graph theory, and he he put a lot of effort into uh, designing this really nice library. Very easy to use. Uh, 
he's a, he's done an amazing job, really. Yeah. It's great. We, we send him emails with spreadsheets with data and say, hey, here's how we think they relate to one another. So, so if you could go write a uh, script for that, that'd be great. For, um, for, for some folks that are in enterprises that, that aren't fortunate enough to, to run Macs or even higher-end PC workstations, you know, a, lot, a lot of them are still using the bare minimum, it barely runs Word and Excel well kind of a thing, and they may not have access to the, even the internal infrastructure to, to kind of do some of this. Do you have plans on maybe releasing like an AMI in Amazon to take advantage of the Amazon GPU um, capabilities there to do some of this work, or it, has that something that you haven't thought about before but, but you might consider doing? So I've actually started, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've actually tried to um, to get uh, some Amazon servers, um, but so my knowledge of uh, Amazon servers is not really, uh, uh, you know, not really good. So maybe completely mistaken, but I haven't seen, you know, really good uh, configurations with nice GPUs. Uh, and there, um, essentially, the idea, the, the use case that I had. Um, I wanted to run my engine com completely offline and take advantage of uh, OpenCL and, you know, use the, the big Amazon clusters to, to do the computation. Um, I started doing that for sure. Uh, I, yes, just, just the beginning. Uh, I, cannot, I cannot speak for sure. But yes, definitely the plan. Cool. And, and I know that, you know, as you said, you're going to be providing scripts for folks that they can, you know, either generate... Um, the the proper structures to work with your tool, like from their LinkedIn prof, you know, profiles or other security data that that's out there. Um, do you have any data sets that you like that are kind of more open that you could release? I know that for some of your blog posts, or at least for one of them, you know, you use some real data. You you actually generated some data as well too. And you know, are you going to make like those kind of basic data sets available for folks? I mean, and and I know you guys have the infrastructure. If you wanted to host them, we also we also host data sets for folks too. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to put them up there, that that that'd be great, or link to them or whatever. But just curious if you're going to you know, help folks along by not just letting them generate, but also kind of give them some starter. You know, give them like a little bit, like so that like they get hooked, like crack on it, and then they want to do more with their own stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll release uh, all the data sets that we're going to present at Black Hat. They'll be they'll be online. So yeah, great, Absolutely. cool. Yeah, and, and I'm serious. I'm I'm serious about like the getting hooked because like once folks start to do work with these types of tools and they get to see the results that they're going to be able to see with their different types of tools like this, um, it usually gets folks that are you know, at least that are that are, that are gravitating towards it pretty excited and they just can't help but work with it. So I, I'm sort of expecting you guys to have that the same response when you do the full release of the tool and get it out there. Absolutely. Yeah, we've actually noticed that with Skylar, the intern. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could really get him to do other work if I tried. I think he's, you know, he's made up his mind that he's dedicated to working on this tool. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. There'll, there'll be a, there'll be a bunch of uh, data sets. There'll be, a, yeah, it's very easy to to start working with it. That's for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think I think we're coming up on the end of our time here. Um, so, Bob, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I, it's it's been a really great conversation. It's been fun learning more about this directly from the folks that are creating it. For instead of instead of having to wait on the back end and just see stuff from the outside. So, I appreciate you guys coming on. And when when do you guys expect uh, this to be released? It's going to be the Tuesday of Black Hat, which is also our talk. So uh, I believe the press release and is going to go out Tuesday morning, and uh, I suspect everything's going to go live as well before the talk. 
uh, and our talk is at 2.15, I believe. Okay. Let me On double check. Tuesday, right? It is, yes, Tuesday at 2.15 in the Jasmine Ballroom, which sounds extremely opulent. Right. Definitely. And, um, boy, so uh, real quick, though, you mentioned, uh, like, the Network X library for Python. Are there any other resources that people might be able to, to hit up and do some reading, do some exploring? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Tebow, you got a lot of stuff on, on the blog at OpenDNS and things like that. Any other resources that we could uh, get out there for people to uh, come up to speed on some of the graph theory stuff? Um, Wikipedia. That's yeah. a great resource for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Wikipedia is a great resource, obviously, but it can be a bit uh, overwhelming. Uh, a lot of maths, a lot of. Uh, but there are links to really good uh, um, papers. Um, that's 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 actually a good question. Um, not nothing comes to mind really right now. Um, okay. Well, I don't want to pressure you or put you on the spot or anything, but. Um, yeah, and like I said, if you if you do want to include anything as you think about it after we're done talking, just just shoot it to us, and we'll be more than happy to put it in the show notes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely think about it. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys have any uh, closing comments or remarks? <laughs> okay. No, I just thought I'd give you a chance. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us on this podcast. It was really great talking to you, and uh, maybe you know, a couple months after the uh, tool has been out, we can get you back and see how things are going with it. Love it. Love, love it. Thank you so much for having us, guys. Great. Thank it's you. It's a real honor to talk to you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later.